Are you tired of being told what to think and how to act? Well, you are not alone. In case you haven't realized it, you have an internal GPS. It knows all you need to know about how to live your life. So it's about time you stopped letting the media and the government tell you what is true for you. In fact, it is exactly that time. It's time to think for yourself. And here to make sure you're doing just that is your host, mediator, author, and lawyer, Carol Gold. Hi, it's Sunday, June 11th. I'm Carol Gold, and welcome to Think for Yourself. For me, the defining issue of our time remains the defense of and the protection of free speech. I think it is, as I've said before, the foundational bedrock for every other freedom that exists under our Constitution. If we don't have free speech, we don't have much freedom in any aspect of our lives because that is the ultimate outcome of not being able to express yourself freely without experiencing any kind of blowback or recrimination for the thoughts that you share. So I continue to do research and try to educate myself around this and in in the process bring what I learned to you. And in the past few days, I came upon an article written in 2020 by Newt Gingrich, former Republican Speaker of the House. And what Gingrich said is that three generations of brainwashing have been going on in this country. And he takes it back to Herbert Marcuse, who, if you don't know who that is, was a German-born University of California, San Diego professor. In the 1960s, Marcuse was promoting and teaching college students the philosophical foundations of Marxism and its supposed benefits. What was going on back then probably next got highlighted in the most significant way in 1972 by Theodore White. Theodore White was a political um, pioneering journalist who covered American political campaigns You may know his name because he wrote a book, very well received and tremendous sales, called The Making of the President. And that book actually altered the style and the character of presidential campaigns, as well as how reporters covered those campaigns. And what Theodore White said in 1972 was a warning. And that warning was that liberal ideology was becoming liberal theology, and that dissent was less and less acceptable to the left. I find that to be incredibly prophetic. That is exactly what happened. And what he was saying, in essence, was that the left's political agenda was becoming a religion, a theology. Now, In a recent podcast, I actually spoke to this. I spoke about wokeism as a religion. Yet even since that podcast, the critical nature of what's happening from this left's conflation of ideology and theology has become more and more evident and more and more concerning to me. So to make my point, Let me go back to a Politico, which is a left-leaning publication. Let me go back to a Politico interview in 2012 by Zach Stanton, an online reporter for Politico. He interviewed then the Reverend Dr. Serene Jones. 
Dr. Jones was and is the president of the Union Theological Seminary in New York. She occupies what's called the Johnston Family Chair for Religion and Democracy. She is politically left, admittedly, and was interviewed for her perspective by Politico. So in that interview, Reverend Jones said what to me are some startling things. She shared some startling opinions. And she's speaking, I think, generally for the left. And I think you can see that by what she said and what we are now living. She said that leftists, and I'm sorry, I said 2012, it was 2021. The Politico interview, the article with Reverend Dr. Serene Jones was in 2021. She said that leftists elected to public office like Senator Raphael Warnock in Georgia or President Joe Biden are, quote, political leaders whose faith, whose religion, isn't incidental to their public personas, but is a core component of both their identities and their appeal to voters, end quote. Now, let me say why I find that so startling. She talks about their faith not being incidental to their public personas, but actually being an appeal to the voters by their faiths, by their religions, by the stands that they take. Raphael Warnock is an anti-Semite who has stood side by side and in support of the virulent anti-Semite and anti-white America, Louis Farrakhan of the Nation of Islam. Joe Biden, talking about faith and religion, is a professed Catholic who is pro-abortion, pro-transitioning children, pro-Iran, and whose administration has been hostile to the state of Israel and the peace accords that were previously negotiated under the Trump administration. So much for their faith or their religion not being incidental to their public personas. I would agree. It's hardly incidental at all. It's front and center and is a main factor in what their political perspectives are. But I don't believe that their, quote, faith is of a very high caliber if you're an anti-Semite in the case of Raphael Warnock or you stand shoulder to shoulder with anti-Semites or in the case of Joe Biden where you allege to be a Catholic but stand for things that are clearly antithetical to the tenets of the Catholic religion. Reverend Jones also said in that interview that love is political. That's a quote. Love is political. And I would say to you, absolutely not. Love is apolitical. What does apolitical mean? Well, it means it has no interest or involvement in political affairs. Love is not political. Now, if she meant, if Reverend Jones meant that you are loving or that if you are loving, you're compassionate or you're charitable, I get that. I get that. But saying love is political makes the theological concept of love an ideological concept, which then justifies politicians and governments who intrude into every facet of our lives under the false assertion of a loving political agenda, which in my opinion is an oxymoronic phrase. Loving political agenda is an oxymoronic phrase. 
because politics is never loving. It's brutal and it's about power and it's about money. And that's anything but loving. You know, I have said over and over and over again for decades that compassion and empathy and charity cannot be legislated. These are issues of the heart and the human conscience. When you support government involvement in these areas, when you say that government can be loving, that politics is loving, that love is political, you know what you get? You get the war on drugs, which was a failure. You get the war on poverty, which was a failure. You get open borders, which is a failure, and worse, which is a catastrophe for the nation. The overriding problem with the Politico interview of Reverend Jones and the leftist ideology turned theology is this. If you disagree or question the logic and the validity of her statements, which are statements of the left, you become the problem. Dissent is not permitted. Well, disallowing dissent is restraining free speech. Restraining free speech leads to disallowing free speech. Disallowing free speech means the loss of personal freedom. If you cannot think differently, if I cannot think differently, and we cannot express our differences without fear of reprisal or being canceled or being fired or being ostracized, then we're living in a totalitarian society. So if I combine what Newt Gingrich said, which is that three generations of brainwashing have been going on, and I combine it with what Theodore White warned, which is that the liberal ideology was becoming a liberal theology and that dissent was less and less accepted by the left, then Reverend Jones has expressed perfectly how that has become a reality. Thomas Sewell's an American economist and an author and a social commentator, and he's a senior fellow at the Hoover Institute. He's black, he's a conservative, and he is shunned and scorned by the left for obvious reasons. Two of those reasons are quotes I'm about to read you. The first is, ours may become the first civilization destroyed not by the power of our enemies, but by the ignorance of our teachers and the dangerous nonsense they are teaching our children. And the second quote is, the next time some academic tells you how important diversity is, ask them how many conservatives there are in their sociology departments. I can speak to that personally because I was a sociology major at a Catholic university, Villanova University, it was a hotbed of leftist, liberal, sociological approaches to the data and the subject matter. There is no doubt that decades later, those university sociology departments are that much more radical and that much more left, given the environment that we're in. And so I think Thomas Sowell knows exactly what he's talking about. So let me talk about it practically. Practically speaking... In 2012, 5% of liberal religious congregations across all religions lobbied or marched for immigration. 5%. By 
By 2018 through 2019, 41% of liberal religious congregations across all religions were marching for immigration. And you know now what they were marching for. They were marching for open borders. This is an example of how the leftist ideology became a theology. Those were congregants who were marching. They were marching under the banner of their faith for open borders. That is not compassionate because look what open borders has created, not only for the nation, for the immigrants, for the children, for the sex trafficking, for the fentanyl, for the cartels, for the billions of dollars that are being made by the Chinese and the Mexicans for manufacturing the fentanyl, for bringing it across the border. It's not compassion at all. And it isn't a compassionate government that opens its borders and allows this to happen. Finally, I want to make one further comment about something Reverend Jones said. She was talking about slavery in our history, in the history of the United States. She was asked about it because she recently, apparently, at the time of the article 2021, had learned that ancestors of hers had participated in a lynching. She is white, and she learned that ancestors of hers actively participated in a lynching. And she has tremendous shame and guilt about this. And what she said is the following, quote, human beings in general are a mixture of the glorious things they're capable of and the horrible things they're capable of. None of us can claim to be pure, end quote. I agree with her 100%. I have always talked about our higher selves and our dark side, our lower selves. And I've always talked about the importance of how we use our energy for the good or for the ill. But then she goes on to say this, quote, the more honest one can be about one's brokenness and the sins one has been responsible for, the more freedom one finds from that, end quote. I would say to you that the key words in that last quote are, and the sins one is responsible for. I absolutely agree with her that we are responsible for how we use our own energy. We are responsible for the choices we make. We are responsible for the things we stand for and the things we refuse to stand for and the things we stand against but I am not responsible for my ancestors' behavior. If my ancestors behave deplorably, then my responsibility is not to behave that way. My responsibility is to make better choices than they made. My responsibility is to who I am and to the choices I make. I can condemn their past behavior. I can even be held responsible for my own similar behavior. But if I stay rooted in the behavior of others, whether they be my neighbor or my ancestor, and I carry guilt for it and shame for it and take responsibility for it or allow someone else to hold me accountable for it, 
then I am not a free-willed individual who is responsible for and should reap the benefit or the detriment of my own choices. Then somehow I'm part of a collective and I have to have collective guilt and collective responsibility. Now, as a spiritual person, let me say, I believe in oneness. I believe in the principle of oneness. I believe that we are all connected like branches on a tree. I do not, however, believe that that can be politically resolved through either reparations or legislation. I believe the only way that that becomes resolved, the only way that separation becomes resolved, is through a change of the human heart and a change of the human mind. The change in which we see the world and a change in which we interact with the world, meaning the way in which we react with one another. I am responsible for how I treat every single person that I encounter every single day. But I have absolutely no responsibility for a lynching that took place in another generation. And if I were Reverend Jones and I had learned that my ancestor, and in her case, I believe it was as recent as her grandfather, or at least her grandfather was condoning of the behavior of the ancestors who participated in the lynching. If I were Reverend Jones and I had learned that my grandfather had participated in a lynching, I would be appalled. I would almost not understand the rationale and the circumstances that drove him to that. Almost the same way I can't understand the circumstances that drove George Soros to cooperate with the Nazis in confiscating other Jews' property when he was in Nazi Germany as a young man, and to this day, believing he did nothing wrong, the same way I would have difficulty understanding and do have difficulty understanding that, I would have difficulty understanding my grandfather's behavior. But my obligation would be this. It wouldn't be to come up with reparations, and it wouldn't be to hate white people, and it wouldn't even be to hate my grandfather. It would be as I was taught in Kabbalah, in Jewish mysticism, and actually in mainstream Judaism, that the way you honor the dead is to find a quality that is the best of them and then live it in your own life. So if that is true, then the antithesis of that is true as well, which is do not repeat the abhorrent behavior of the people who came before you. That's my obligation. I'm living now in this body with this mind and this heart and this consciousness. And so I refuse to allow the left, be it an ideology or as I believe it has become a theology, allow them to make me feel guilty about the history of my country or about the fact that I'm white or that I owe anybody anything because of anything that happened before I showed up on the planet. I'm responsible for what's happening on my watch. I take that very seriously. And I believe that all conscientious, truly spiritual people who are truly dedicated to the highest principles of their religion feel the same way. We're not out here to make anybody else feel badly about what somebody else did. We're out here trying to make us all accountable and personally responsible and in the process to make sure that a democratic republic remains such because free speech 
and the ability to express your thoughts, no matter what they be, as long as you're not inciting violence or hurting another physically, is and remains the bedrock of this nation. Thank you for listening. I'm Carol Gold. I'll be back here again next week. And until I am, by all means, think for yourself. Carol thanks you for spending your valuable time with her. It is her mission to empower you to remember how smart and capable you are. Be sure to check out Carol's website, carolgold.com. That's Carol with an E, gold.com. Please leave a review and subscribe here so you'll be alerted to Carol's next podcast. Until then, above all else, remember, it's time to think for yourself.